This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome back to the Player 3 Podcast. My name is Blake, and I am your host, as always. Are we going to keep that in, or do we want yeah, to roll it Yeah, I think we'll keep it in. Yeah, we'll keep that, that in? in? Yeah, Make it a little okay. quieter in post, but... Yeah, I don't know about that. I think we'll keep it loud. I like it, I like it. Um, so you guys entered halfway through that. We shouted, yeah, boy, um, as we entered into the second episode of Season 2. Dude, ladies and gentlemen, cranking them out. Ladies and gentlemen, it's good to be back. We're already on a schedule. Unlike season one, we know what schedules are. So uh, we're going to be trying to release pretty regularly. You may have noticed um, from our last episode, we have a logo now. Ooh, look at that. Um, cool. I like it. We accept constructive criticism. I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked it too because yeah. I made it. <laughs> but we have some news today, and we also uh, we have an, another segment. So we are going to keep doing the whole we played a game together series um but that's going to be every other week so next week and you can expect us to be talking about a game we played together this week we're going to be doing uh, another little segment um that is also going to be every other week starting this week and then not next week but the week after you'll see another episode of it we're just trying to diversify player three a little bit you know diversification is good diversification is good we appreciate diversity we do. There's a lot of diversity in this room right now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's really not. Oh, God. Um, but, um, ladies and gentlemen, the one thing we're never going to diversify, the one thing we're never going to get get taken away from is our news. We're always going to be news. Player Here. 3 Podcast is your your source of gaming and tech news. And ladies and gentlemen, we've got some news today. We're going to start off with some really big, important security news. We're starting off with it early because you need to hear this. Tad, tell them what's up. Save my account, man. Save it. Do you currently run any computers that have Windows 7 on them? Oh, thank God I don't, actually. Okay, that's good. That's great. So recently, uh, it was announced that support for Windows 7 is over. Microsoft's no longer supporting Windows 7, and you need to upgrade your machines now. Pretty much of, I believe, January 14th or 13th. We 14th, I believe. 14th. Uh, so on January 14th, they ended support. It's been 10 years since the operating system was released, so 10 years worth of support we got. And... What that means now is they release their final security patch and any exploits or vulnerabilities for Windows 7 found now are no longer going to be addressed by Microsoft because you can't take you can't sit here and bug fix your software until the end of time. So, they pretty much ended support and they're encouraging everyone move to Windows 10. Of course they are. 
So uh, there's a little bit of a money grab on the website for this. Mm -hmm. I went to the actual Microsoft Windows 7 end-of-life support information. And, um, yeah, it started with saying, well, there's no longer security support for Windows 7, and now you need to upgrade to Windows 10. There's a little bit of a cash grab showing you all the awesome Microsoft Surface Pros that you could buy with your new Windows 10. So... Windows 7 is no longer going to have any of those updates, so when we inevitably find a bug or vulnerability, they've washed their hands of that responsibility, and they encourage that you upgrade to Windows uh, Windows 10. So, essentially, you need to treat Windows 7 now as if it's no longer secure. If you have a Windows 7 machine on your network, I would disconnect it and uh, get it on Windows 10. Because even though right now you probably won't have any security issues, it's inevitable that a vulnerability will be found, and Microsoft is no longer addressing those, and this doesn't make Microsoft a bad company. You can't address software issues for 30 years on something that's no longer being used. So, essentially treat your Windows 7 machine as if it's vulnerable, and uh, even if you don't like Windows 10, you can fix pretty much most of the things about Windows 10 by... uh, registry edits and a bunch of other customization so there are plenty of optimizations and security in windows 10 that you're missing out on you need to really up really need to upgrade to windows 10 i know that you don't want to nobody wants to i feel bad for every elementary middle and high school so to address that (laughs) basically for companies that are willing to pay a fee for it i believe it's per computer they're actually going to support it until 2023. So if you're willing to pay for it, it will make that migration process a little bit easier. That being said, we knew about this ending of support for a very long time. So I don't really have any sympathy for companies. That, That's a good point. Yeah. For, for, you know, that didn't do the migration earlier. But we all know that migrating operating systems at an enterprise level is an insanely tough task. And so having this cushion... Uh, is really nice for them, but I don't believe it's offered at any retail kind of deal. It's only businesses. So even though they are still bug fixing and doing the oh security, you can't get it. You have to switch to Windows 10 uh, as an individual, but these businesses that are willing to pay for it uh, that we can't data mine nearly as easily, they they can they can stay on Windows 10, but any they, or Windows 7. They just want to take money. I mean, I mean, no, I mean, take your information. Take your information. Well, Windows big thing, big thing about this is that you have to remember that um, Microsoft is a company that needs to make money, and mm. so needs. You know, they well, well yeah, yeah, I know. I'm that's, just joking. That's what companies Every company do. Needs to that's make what money. companies I know, do. I know. Um, and socialist. In order, <laughs> in order to do that, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to say. Oh, here you go, random consumer. Pay us $10,000 and we'll keep Windows 7 going. No, they're going to go to companies because companies can afford to, to do stuff like that. They can afford um, the lag behind. It's... Yeah, <laughs> but like, I mean, if you think about it, staying on Windows 7 10 years after it really doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, Windows 10, I mean, let's be honest, the information they're going to be getting from you it's basically the same information they would be getting from you from Windows 7 or if you ever used the internet, you know. And you can turn off a lot of the tracking features really easily. You can use registry edits to, to change some fun stuff. I don't know a ton about that. Tad knows a lot more than I do. Um, but Windows 10 is the modern operating system. And 
using Windows 7 right now is like when Windows 7 was out, if you were using Vista, I don't know, Vista yeah, or XP 98, you know, something like that. One of these older ones, you know, it's, it's, you shouldn't, you just shouldn't be doing that. It's kind of crazy. Like honestly, in the past, I would say 2015, people were still kind of, you know, Windows 7-ish kind of, I mean, it, it was yeah. just, it, it all migrated really quickly. Do you remember how yeah. many people were on Windows XP and how that was a big deal? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and now it's basically just the exact same thing happening with Windows 7. I think it's going to happen every time. Yeah. But there are talks at Microsoft that Windows 10 is the last Windows, and they're just going to update really? it and change really? it. And maybe, you know, it'll feel different maybe at some point, but they don't really plan on wow. releasing another one. That's just been talks, though. I mean, so, if, if it's so stable, you know, they don't need exactly. to keep remaking it. Yep. Well, and they also, you know, they don't have the... Uh, the problem of having to make their money specifically just from Windows anymore. They have Xbox, and I'm willing to bet Xbox is probably more profitable than Windows is, um, just because of how many people buy it. And you know, Windows isn't bought all that often. You know, um, so Microsoft going to, um, you know, saying, "Oh, Windows 10 is going to be our last, um, our last Windows," doesn't really surprise me all that much. I think. Um, that could work. Although I do wonder if, you know, you know, a few years down the line when our, our technology, our, our computing power rather has updated significantly, if that's going to um, have an effect on Windows and if Windows is essentially going to be, you know, not utilizing the full power of, you know, the computers. I don't think that's going to happen for a while, but... When we make the jump to 128-bit computing, yeah, Windows is pretty much going to have to have a full redesign, but I... That's obviously within their power to do. They can do right. that. So they'll just make money also adding on. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. new features. So it'd be like DLC for Windows. <laughs> Windows yeah. DLC. But the big thing is, you guys need to upgrade to Windows 10. I know that you don't want to, but Windows 7 is no longer secure, and you have to upgrade. That's what I'll be doing this weekend: is upgrading my mom's Windows 7 machine. Nice. So, getting all of it updated. Good thing it's pretty simple. Or you just sometimes you just have to stick a USB in. Like, it's oh, look at that! Extremely yeah. simple. They've made it Real very, simple. very easy. So <laughs> nothing to worry about at all. So uh, our next topic is actually about Lenovo and uh, certain issues that Lenovo is currently having. So Lenovo's warranty department is working overtime this week because it's been found that it's not just a mistake or a one-off. When your USB Type C port doesn't work on your flagship Lenovo laptop, Ooh. so ThinkPad laptops were known for uh, their use in businesses, and the 2017 to 2019 flagship laptops that are sold very well. There's a lot of them out there. Uh, they have defective USB Type C ports. Oh crap! Yeah, not it's not good. fun. So problems range. From like the port simply not working, which isn't the end of the world, to completely not the controller not showing up in device manager or HDMI output specifically not working, working like specific aspects of the port not working. Uh, and so the worst case scenario seems to be that the Intel Thunderbolt communication or the Intel Thunderbolt controller can create an error message in Windows uh, and then sometimes can cause your computer to boot into safe mode, uh, which to someone who doesn't work on computers very much, to grandma who just got her new Lenovo laptop, booting into safe mode is pretty concerning. That sounds annoying. <laughs> and then the last one is that sometimes it can 
cause the BIOS to hang during post, and so your computer just won't boot. And so there's that's very th- not good. Th- this yeah. is bad. Like their ThinkPads are really good. Yeah, and known as being reliable workstations. Sold very well. Oh, so there's Lord. a lot of them out there. And I thought about getting a ThinkPad. Like, yeah, no, is... they're great. I love Lenovo. Yeah, they're great. But uh, yeah, this is certainly an issue. And so uh, Lenovo released a full list of laptops, and includes their flagship ones like the um, Yo, the Yoga, right? Yes. Yeah, Lenovo, yoga. Yeah, yeah, yoga and the X1 Carbon, and a full list can be found on the Lenovo website. So if you're affected by this, if your laptop is having USB Type-C issues, just contact Lenovo support, and you'll get it fixed through their warranty program. Uh, do give them time, though. They are working a lot of overtime over there just trying to get all of these through because there are a ton That's of so, them. Yeah. yeah. That's so. going to hit their PR really hard. Oh, my Lord. Yep. That's big. That's yep. very big. That's that even you know puts me away from like wanting to buy a Monova. It's like exactly. hey, that's I was mm-hmm. I, you're an option, but now you're not really an option. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. The other big uh, story we had for today was actually a uh, new technology called Clearview AI that's kind of taking hold in a lot of our government functions and stuff like that. Oh no. Uh, so basically, an Australian developer, the G word, who made, who made uh, an app that really took off, that basically put a Donald Trump. Uh, like hair on a picture. It was like a Snapchat filter. Yeah. Right. Um, well, they've now come out with a new thing that is, they created an app that you can take a picture of someone and it uses AI to look that face up and find every public picture on the internet of that face. And so it's essentially a reverse image search like you can do already, except it's AI driven. And oh, so wow. there's a lot more to it because a reverse image search search just looks for aspects of the picture while this can pick apart, you know, details of the face and stuff like that. And so you can find a lot of information. And then the big thing is it gives you links to every picture that it finds. So you can quickly derive things like names. Names are very easy. You can quickly find someone's name. Yeah. That's already and, pretty simple. Yeah. And, but depending on what you post on the internet or your job, Stuff like that. If you have your name on a company website and your picture's next to it, then you found your name, your where you work, uh, stuff like that. Um, That's creepy. Yeah, so this uh, this AI has 3 billion images, a 3 billion image archive so far um, that allows them to, that allows it to learn and pick out faces uh, better. Um, so the New York, this is a New York Times article, by the way, uh, and they said that, it was basically the end of privacy when you walk down the street. I think that's pretty sensationalist headline. It is. But um, it's certainly a concern for privacy because what we've seen is uh, they've been giving it to police and the FBI really? and stuff like Wait, that. So it's in, our, in the U.S. Like government. That. Oh, yes. Yeah, no. It's oh, fantastic. Wow. In the U.S. government. Uh, so some cities like San Francisco have actually barred their police from using it, but the uh, government's been using it um, to solve stuff like shoplifting cases where you have Ooh, wow. a, a video of them, but that's about it. Crime-free so society. Just throw it in here, and it uh, gives you your na- their name and all that, and then it's pretty quick if you get a name to track someone down if you're the police. So stuff like that uh, used to fight crime. But uh, some it cities still concerns me. Oh, it completely concerns me, and we'll get to that as well. But some cities have barred their police from using That's it good. just because. That's good. It just feels like they're the, the pushing the envelope just a little bit so, more when something comes out like this. Yeah. Here's where it gets interesting, though. The New York Times took the code for this and tore it all apart, and 
considering it's the New York Times analyzing this code, we do have to take it with a grain of salt, but there's evidence found that it's being set up for augmented reality. So things like Google Glass and Microsoft HoloLens. So you could give police um, a pair of glasses with a picture or with a camera on it and a screen, and every time they look at someone, it pulls their name up and all that. Whoa! This is the this is Blade Runner. Yeah. This is, yeah. No, this it's is, legit. Okay, that's kind of cool, but I hate it. Yeah, exactly. That um. Wow. So if you were to give you know every police officer this, and they go down the street, they can you know immediately identify anyone that they look at. I see I see really big problems with this on a liberty standpoint. Obviously. I am a big huge massive fan of free speech and a huge massive fan that everyone should be allowed to have their own opinions. Um and I think that this you know in the hands of police we know police aren't perfect, you know. There are a lot of really good cops out there, but there is an unfortunate number of bad cops. And I think with something like this, you know, it pulls up their face, you know, pulls up a little bit of background information on them. If they find something they don't like, those cops are, can start looking for any reason to arrest you, to, to beat you up. Well, you that, know, that, that power, concerns me. That concerns that me. much power to one person, too. It's well, and like, then imagine that getting out to, you know, the public, you know, people just going around being like, Oh, I see you believe in this, and they they attack you because they can, you know, they they see your face, and the boom, it pulls up a list of information on their, you know, their glasses. Or, oh, I see you have a criminal record. I can now refuse you service. Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah, there's a quote from the New York Times article that says, "quote uh, that it includes programming language to pair it with augmented reality glasses. Users would be potentially be able to identify every person they saw." The tool could identify activists um, at a protest or an act or uh, an attractive stranger on the subway. Um, oh, it's creepy too. Ooh, yes, wow. so I didn't even think about the stalling. Not just their names, but where they lived and what they did and whom they knew. Oh, oh my God, that's that's weird. That's, that's weird. That okay, so stalking already mm. on the internet is insane. Like how easily people can stalk people. Which, by the way, anyone listening to this that has thoughts about stalking people, don't. It's creepy. It's no one likes right. that. Stop it. Don't do Get it. Get some Stop help. It. Get some help. But, oh my, being able to just wear a pair of smart glasses and look at someone and be like, hmm, I find that, you know, person attractive. And then, boom, it pulls up a list like, oh, there's, there's their, their address, there's their email, there's their Instagram, their Twitter, their Facebook, you know, all of, all of this stuff, all of their... This hidden information, you can now stalk them in so many ways and in so many places. And that is truly concerning. And this, I mean, it, you know, I thought it was hyperbolic when they're like, this is the death of privacy. But this is the death of feeling safe in your own home. Mm-hmm. You know, a criminal could get these glasses and see someone who they're like, mm, they've got some money. I want to rob them. It's just like boom. They lock onto them. They see. All right, here's their address. They're like, all right, this is the time I'm gonna go. I'm gonna rob their house. Without ever having to do background information, just mm-hmm. by wearing a pair of glasses. You see them. You it's figure out where they too. work when they're not gonna be home. It's just code. Mm-hmm. You just copy the code. Someone got a hold of it, you know, and then yeah. it's just shared, and then everyone has it. That's not even the issue. I mean, you can get a hold of it. Yeah. That's no. That's no problem. It's building the infrastructure, paying the license to use it. So uh, right now we see a lot in government. Um, I do think that this is pretty sensationalist um, reporting. Uh, I doubt, of course it is. I doubt that this this AI works nearly as well as 
uh, New York Times is trying to say, but I get that they have to sell copies. So there's, I mean, there's the potential. You've got China, though. You know, China does that. They're, they're monitoring yeah. all the time. Yeah, that's all I was going to talk about next was the fact that if we gave every uh, police officer one of these glasses, then we set up security cameras in all public areas, just like China. I mean, I'm sure China... Mm, yeah. First of all, China already has a, uh, a system like this that can identify people with their faces. Yeah. Uh, but if you take something like this where it's an AI, so it's learning how to do it better... Um, and you let it run for 10 years, you can literally just track everyone. Well, there's also times. the, during the Hong Kong protests, um, a lot of protesters had to wear masks or, you know, some of them, there were these developed things that would project a face over your face, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, super sci-fi tech. And I'm like, that's really nifty. And I'll never need one of those. I guess I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> because so. if you want to be an activist, if you want to be a protester, as government already is getting more tyrannical just by nature of the government having more power doing something like this essentially means that now the government can see you at an anti-gun rally or something and they can you know lock on know who you are uh, or or you know a you know planned parenthood rally or any any sort of rally they can lock on know who you are and they can you know now charge you with you know oh unlawful protesting or or something you know because they disagree with what you're doing because you're protesting because you're causing a disturbance and if this is widespread and if this gets used this takes away a fundamental right of america which is the right to assemble and the right to protest and that's huge and i hate this product (laughs) yeah so but i mean yeah, it's uh, being developed in Australia, and we'll we'll see where it goes from there. AI so. is just getting better, and I hate it. AI. No. We're gonna have to really put. I mean, honestly, the idea of putting chips in your brain to like combat it, like that's like we're getting closer and closer to this idea. I hate it. Uh, yeah, I I love it, and I hate it. Obviously, right? I it's hate cool. it's I cool. hate what happens, but I do I do love tech, and yeah. so just the technology there, it's pretty neat. So what a world we live in. Yep, pretty neat. Um. So pretty much the only two, the only other things I wanted to hit on was Wikipedia reached uh, six million English articles. So that's pretty cool. Congrats, uh, Wikipedia! Hey, good for Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia is finally up there. Um, but they ask me for donation every month. Though, yeah. So you don't need that coffee. Give me the money. You're right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. You don't also, need it. Corsair's IQ, which is their software for using uh, for managing your RGB and your custom rig. Tad's uh, favorite software. My favorite software. They actually now support Asus motherboards, which is great. Ooh. So Asus, Aura, and IQ now talk to each other. So you can control your motherboard's lighting in IQ. Uh, and the reason that's a big thing is because this is the first step we've seen where brands work together because everyone has their own software for their own products. And so you have 12 different products in your computer, 12 <laughs> different softwares, and it's a whole thing. So You have the MSI one. You have the Raz- you have Razer Chroma. You've got... You know, Asus is one. You've got IQ. You've got everything under the sun. Yeah, Logitech G. Logitech G Hub. So, yeah, uh, it's really nice to see this because guess what? I'm buying an Asus board now. Like, that's my next board. Because everything else in his computer talks to IQ. Everything else is talks to to IQ. IQ. So, I'm buying an Asus motherboard now. So, it's great for both companies because I know that if I'm buying an Asus motherboard, I'm going to get a uh, Corsair cooler. And if I know if I'm buying a Corsair cooler, I'm going to get an Asus motherboard. So it's great yeah, for them. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we'll see more partnerships like that. I like both companies a lot. Asus yes. and Corsair are like my two favorite companies great. when it comes to computer parts. So, yeah, I'm glad to see it. So 
Yeah, that's pretty much all the tech news for this week. That's been a lot all of right. tech news. Jared, you want to you uh, take yeah. it? Yeah, um, we're not going to spend much time on this one because there really isn't much that I've noticed that really, like, blown up. I mean, recently there was the uh, an Xbox kind of leak of, like, what the console's ports can look like, which are kind of different. I, mean, I saw that picture, yeah. Right? yeah. It looks like a PC. <laughs> yeah, uh, right, yeah. Right, right. I don't know like, if it looks quite like a PC. I, I, They're not mean, as many. Yeah, but it looks like but, a, yeah. a, it's starting to develop more yeah. of that um, transition. Probably. Crazy how that works. Yeah. Oh, wow. It took Wacky. a while. Looks like a Corsair 1, to be honest. But uh, apparently, does, yeah. in this, um, there's two notable things. Like they ha- um, Usually, they have an HDMI input um, that allows for you know um, TV integration at the same time. So you can like sw- swap back and forth pretty well. I think that's what it's called anyway. Um Oh yeah, pass through HDMI pass through input. Yes. So, yeah. Um, but now that's gone. It's just you know normal HDMI, and okay. um, now they also got rid of the you know the connect. Um, There's input. no connect. Yeah. Wow. That's isn't that great? I'm so wow. I'm so torn up about there not being a connect on my Xbox Series X. Yeah. I got. What am I gonna do? How am I gonna play Just Dance Seven? Oh man. <laughs> I don't know how many Just Dance games. There I don't are. know either. You can buy it for Wii today. Yeah, yeah. You can <laughs> let me get it for the Wii. Yeah. Oh my. God. Let me get it for a what? Ten year old, more than ten year old. Yeah. Console. It came out in what? Still developed. Yep. We still developed for it. That's awesome. Actually, yeah, I kind of like no, that. It's super cool. They know people will buy it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's they don't develop a ton of games for it, but yeah. just they but make the Just Dance games do. for it. Yeah. Right. It, it works. Let's yeah. be honest. The Wii is the objectively best way to play Just Dance. Yes. Yeah. yeah I agree. Objective. Although PlayStation's way of doing that's pretty decent. Connect yeah. sucks. Connect is connect yeah, connect is always Xbox. Yeah. Xbox. Xbox oh. on. <laughs> uh, to cite my source, that was JonTron. Nice JonTron reference. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy to see what's happening with uh, the new Xbox. I think you should still buy a PC anyway. Yeah, that's and true. And I will uh, die on that hill. So I, I might get an Xbox Series X alongside my PC. You can't write your term paper on your Xbox. I said alongside. <laughs> Along. I'm still upset. It just depends for me what exclusives are out. But yeah, that's true too. That's all that matters. Sell consoles. Yep. I like Xbox because uh, Xbox is the C- land that Halo. Halo was born in. <laughs> and Halo, Halo is the single greatest shooter platform ever. Shooter series, realistically. Yeah. Is that a segue? <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah. not a segue because okay. I haven't done oh, okay. my news yet. Okay. Well, I mean, I was, I mean, honestly, there was is that, that much is that for it? me. Yeah, yeah okay. that's pretty legit. Um, that's not a segue, but you'll see why they think that's a segue. Because we have a format. Why did you mark? Because like there was a long pause. And I was like, oh, okay, I get rid of so that. we're clearing that up. <laughs> All right, um, welcome to the behind the scenes podcast. <laughs> welcome to the that up. <laughs> meta reference podcast. Jared, spam welcome that. MP. Breaking the fourth wall podcast in your headphones. That is Jared spamming oh me. Oh my god, there's so many markers. That's Twenty-two. Why did you do that? I can get rid of them. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> I personally I'm <laughs> I did again real um, quick. So uh Crusader Kings is a franchise created by Paradox Interactive, which is one of my favorite development studios. They made Hearts of Iron, they made Europa Universalis, um, they made Victoria 2. Still waiting on Victoria 3. Give me Vicky 3 Paradox. Um Hashtag but they're give making, him Vicky 3. 
But they are now making Crusader Kings 3. So Crusader Kings 2 is a pretty big game, pretty enjoyable game. Uh, you take the role of a ruler of a medieval nation, and you lead your nation through time. And, uh, you know, your ruler dies, and you're replaced by your heir. So Crusader Kings 3 is coming sometime this year. We don't have an official release date yet. This is like one of those Civ games where I'm just trying to be on the same page. No. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't I've heard of it. I just don't. It's a grand strategy game. That one, like League of Legends. (sighs) Is this Overwatch? I hate all of you. (laughs) Um, No, but this uh, Crusader Kings Three is going to take a little bit more RPG of an approach. Actually, you're going to be more focused on your character, uh, less focused on your nation. So you're going to be trying to develop uh, traits that will pass down through your bloodline, all that sort of fun stuff. Um, you don't have to role play in the game. You can still just play it as a grand strategy game. It still is a grand strategy game, but you know there's a little more role play in there. Solid, cool. And on the other side of the video game spectrum, you guys remember Doom Eternal? You guys no. remember that game being announced? Yeah, I don't. I mean, so um, PC Gamer dot uh, com is it dot com? I think it's dot com. They got a hands-on experience with it, and it's fast-paced, and it's brutal, and it's apparently 22 hours long. That's awesome. It's not bad. I'm so hyped. So the original Doom, Doom 2016, I say the original Doom. The original Doom came out in 93. Doom 2016 came out in 2016. Uh, Surprising. And it was 11 hours long. 11 hours of just metal and brutal demon kills and just so much fun. Doom Eternal apparently is going to be about 22 hours long. Longer game. um, Still just as brutal. Still just as epic. Um, You know, they're introducing some new weapons. Uh, I don't know if you've seen. There's a sword. Oh, yeah. Which looks pretty metal. But speaking of Doom, now we're finally going to do the segue. I've talked about Doom Eternal, which is coming out in 2020. I've talked about Doom 2016 a little bit, which is coming about out in 2016. And they're two of the greatest first-person shooters of all time. You know, I assume yeah. Doom Eternal is going to be one of the greatest. But let's let's sort of rewind the clock a little bit. Let's go back to the 90s when the first-person shooter was being codified. And welcome to the first edition of Top 5. So we are going to be doing a top five list uh, in our show here every other week where I will collect an obscure, very niche um, top five list. So this week's top five is the top five classic first-person shooters. Classic is going to be defined as from the 90s. So none of your, you know, Halo Combat Evolves, right? That's 2001. Mm-mm, 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 too recent. Too recent. Um, the earliest game in this list is 1999. I wasn't old. I wasn't old? I wasn't alive back in 1999. Jared, you were? I was for like a what year. What a boomer. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we're going to start off with number five. Tribes... Not Tribes of Sin, just Tribes. So it came out in December 23, 19- oh, I love Tribes of Sin. Sorry, I just realized what that yeah. was. Yeah, I love Tribes of Sin. <laughs> Sorry. So, so Tribes is the, the first game in the Tribes series. Uh, December 23rd, 1998. Um, 
and it's officially called Star Siege Tribes because it follows a, a it technically follows like a story path from an earlier thing, but it became to be known as Tribes, and it is a multiplayer game. Um, it's hardcore only multiplayer. Um, and that's what it's all about. So it's squad-based multiplayer. You've got capture the flag. You've got deathmatch. You've got capture and hold. You've got defend and destroy. And you've got find and retrieve. Um, some of these uh, game modes would go on to be, you know, combined by later titles. You know, creating your search and destroy, your king of the hill. You know, they'd be streamlined and refined. But a lot of these sort of debuted in the game tribes. Um, Tribes had an armor mechanic limiting what weapons you could pick up, which, you know, was kind of a new novel thing. Um, you know, your light with light armor on, you could pick up the sniper rifle, but no one else could use the sniper rifle, right? Um, heavy armor, you could have, I think it's the rocket launcher. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but, you know, you could only get it with that. And the thing Tribes is most known for is its movement, right? When you think of Tribes, you think of Tribes Ascend, you think of the original Tribes game, you think of this crazy movement with jetpacks, and you think of skiing, uh, you know, breaking the game geometry, and skiing, all this crazy stuff. Well, that's all due to their energy cell mechanic, which led to, you know, all this crazy movement that Tribes came to be known for. The reason I have it at number five, though, is that it really wasn't as influential as a lot of the other games in this list. Um... Tribes is pretty unique still. You know, it didn't go on to to influence all of the games that came after it. You don't see a lot of crazy movement games. You see some. You know, you see TF2 with rocket jumping. You see, you know, the other games in the Tribes series. But it's just not as much as a lot of the other ones. You do see, do see more of them now um, with, like, the Titanfall series of games with Apex Legends. You know, with a lot of this movement-based stuff. But... It's just not as influential as the other games on this list. So number four is Unreal Tournament. Uh, Unreal Tournament came out in November 22nd, 1999. It had a multiplayer mode and a single player mode. Um, it's, you know, it had these power-ups and alternate um, fire modes. It featured quite a few um, different uh, game modes. You had Assault. You had Capture the Flag, you had Deathmatch, you had Domination, you had Last Man Standing, and you had Team Deathmatch, right? So a lot of those sound pretty similar to um, a lot of the game modes that we have today because Unreal Tournament really did help to sort of codify what would become the multiplayer first-person shooter, you know? Um, it did also have some bonus packs released, but we're not really going to be taking that into account uh, as we go forward. In third place is the game Quake. Quake came out June 22nd, 1996, and it was the successor to a game that is also on this list, Doom. Um, yeah, Quake. Id Software released Quake um, with single player, with multiplayer. It featured a soundtrack by band Nine Inch Nails. What? Okay, little fun that. fact. That's cool. Um, it's actually nodded to the ammo pickups in Quake have a Nine Inch Nails logo on them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... Um, uh, Quake had a single-player campaign, but you could also play that campaign co-op, which is, you know, sort of a novel feature and something we do definitely see nowadays. Um, it also had, you know, multiplayer deathmatch sort of stuff. You had free-for-all, you had duels, and you had, you know, some team team play stuff. Not as many as you see nowadays, you know, but it was pretty early. This is one of the first multiplayer shooters. If I'm not mistaken, I think it is the first multiplayer shooter. 
Um, I thought UT came before Quake. Unreal Tournament was 1999. Mm. Okay. Quake is 1996. Okay. I like so, the Quake Engine. Just saying. I really do. Yeah. Quake is, is a fantastic game. It actually created rocket jumping, so all of you TF2 fans, <laughs> you have Quake to thank for that. Solid. Um, yeah, Quake is just a really big, important game, and that's why it's at number three. A game that is, is even... <laughs> <laughs> well, because the, uh, the top two games are bigger and more important. I almost said bigger and importanter. Um, number two is Wolfenstein 3D, May 5th, 1992. Ooh, yeah, this one. This is the oldest game on this list, uh, which probably gives you a hint as to what game number one is. But Wolfenstein 3D was single player only, um, but it really did create a genre. It is heralded as the grandfather of 3D shooters. You know, without Wolfenstein 3D, you don't have any other FPS. But it was sort of limited. You only you only had a few weapons to pick from. Your enemies were sort of limited. It wasn't a very long game. Um, but it really did set the groundwork for games to come. Also, it let you fight Nazis. And that wasn't a thing you got to do a lot in 1992. On account of, the, on account of World War II being over. <laughs> kind of the lack of Nazis. <laughs> But number one on my list, at least, is Doom. December 10th, 1993. This game defined the FPS genre. It allowed for the first time you could have moving geometry. The level design in Doom is so much better than it was in Wolfenstein. The enemy design is so much more varied. You have so many more weapons, you know? You've got the shotgun. You've got the super shotgun. You've got the pistol, which is kind of garbage. Um... You've got, you know, the machine gun. You've got the BFG. You've got the rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've got yeah. so many awesome, amazing, awesome, fun weapons. I said awesome a lot there. But Doom is just such a great game, you know. Um, also, fun fact you might not know, Doom launched speedrunning. Without Doom, there is not a speedrunning community. The first speedruns were in Doom. Yeah. And if Wolfenstein is the grandfather of the FPS genre, then Doom is the daddy of the <laughs> FPS genre. Yeah. yeah you know. Oh, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, with this top five list out there, Tribes, Unreal Tournament, Quake, Wolfenstein 3D, and Doom, we are going to argue a little bit. So, what do you guys think? Uh, I, uh, Quake. Uh, you think Quake's number one? I yep. like... I love the Doom because it, it really introduced the multiple weapons, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The, you see... I love that about all those games. Like, I don't mm -hmm. play much of them, but like, I I'm a big fan of the Jedi Outcast series. If you've ever played those games, I've heard of. They're them. on the Quake. They were um, Jedi Outcast Two was made on the Quake Three engine, I think. Okay. Um, and I really love that game so much, and I just love the weapon variety. And it kind of you know based everything off of like Doom and everything going with that. Right. And, and there's a ton of games in this, like Dark Forces, Dark Forces Two, um, Jedi Academy, and they all have the same feel coming from those games. And yeah. I, I really love them. So I'm missing go with Doom because. I love those games, and Doom wouldn't make those. It wouldn't have been about. We wouldn't have them yeah. without Doom. So I love it. Ted, you said Quake. Yeah, Quake. So um, Quake gave us UT, and then UT gave us esports. And esports is a multi-billion-dollar industry that is making video games so much more accessible and so much more wanted uh, in general. I think esports has really been a launching platform for bringing gaming into the living room and be, you know into the household, and uh, you know the kids. 
kids dreamed of being a YouTuber because they get to play video games all day, and now a lot of kids dream of being an esports player. And yeah. uh, UT kind of gave us that, but Quake gave us UT. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty big. I mean, I'm I put Doom at number one on my list. It's it's literally um, your list, <laughs> so list. we kind of know which one you're gonna pick. I I picked Doom, you know. Um, but that's the point of the top five format is yep. that we can, you know, have a little bit of discussion. I do think um, Quake is a super important game and yeah. a seminal game. I would have put Quake over Wolfenstein, even though I know that Wolfenstein's kind of granddaddy, just because mm-hmm. I think Quake gave more. Uh, I actually disagree with that. I think, you know, Quake did give us multiplayer gaming in general, which, you know, eventually led to esports. But I think, you know, there are three sort of avenues of Mm -hmm. gaming, right? You have casual and you have competitive and you have professional, right? You know, and professional gaming is just competitive plus realistically. But I think in professional... without ads. I, I think in professional, there are two sort of areas right where you, where you need to look at you know esports is a big thing but i think speed running is more important i think in my opinion speed running is more important speed running has been one such could a, say that speed running is the original mm-hmm. competitive gaming it really is and, yeah. and that Not debuted with doom that debuted with doom but doom is you know at its core it's wolfenstein but better you yeah. know and i think wolfenstein 3d you know set the framework for that and that's why I put it above um, Quake I do still think Doom is a far better game than Wolfenstein and I think Doom is a much more important game than Wolfenstein but I think Wolfenstein is easily the second most important game just because of how much it did for gaming you know it gave us uh, so many of these games that it, it launched you know the game that launched the game that launched esports mm-hmm. you know <laughs> Yeah, you can eventually trace it back anywhere. You can trace it all back to Wolfenstein. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to hear from you guys. So what I'm going to be doing is right after this podcast is uploaded uh, to the internet, I am going to create a poll on our Instagram, uh, at Player3Podcast. No spaces, no capital letters. And we are going to be asking you which one your favorite is. Is it Tribes? Is it Unreal Tournament? Is it Wolfenstein? Is it Quake? Is it Doom? You know, we want to know what you think. And ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to our final segment for today. Guys, what have you been playing? Where do we want to start? Where do we want to start? I'll start. Start us off. I have been playing a lot of Kerbal Space Program. and I've seen uh, it. It's an old <laughs> game, but uh, basically... Uh, one of my friends is really into it. It's like thousands of hours kind of deal. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. No, he loves Kerbal Space Program. And kind of ramping up for Kerbal Space Program, too. And so he finally convinced me to buy the old game, not just wait for the new one. I don't know how he swung that one. But uh, we've been playing a lot of Kerbal Space Program lately, just getting ready for uh, the next next game. It's been fun. I've seen it. Yep. Okay. Jared, what have you um, been up to? So I've been um, – this was – pleasantly surprised for the last couple days so i'm a big fan of uh the the, not hack and slash but the action rpg genre that are like you know really quick like devil may cry for example love devil may cry um a game that many people don't um look at in that way um would have to be kingdom hearts 2 fm final mix um kingdom hearts series is a terrible story god awful but in my opinion some of the best combat mechanics in a game like devil 
similar to Devil May Cry. I love it to death. The level one speed runs, the level one critical mode playthrough is my jam. I love it, how much hell it goes through, but how rewarding the combat system is for learning it. And uh, it was amazing. I, I love that game. And um, it, it really defined a lot of games I played later, um, now, like Devil May Cry and stuff. But then Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, which last year, and they butchered it. Different combat designer, different. It was terrible. I hated it. The combat was slow, not reactive. You couldn't get out of combos fast. You couldn't. Um, there was a great one-on-one fights, and I was so mad. It ruined the series for me completely. <laughs> but this Wednesday, they released um, the DLC, and they fixed every problem. And I'm That's like, good. what? So I'm, 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 I'm was playing it all night last night. Um, getting ready for the critical mode, um, grinding instead of saying do a new game plus, transfer my old save data just to make it more fun. But my God, it feels like I'm playing the PS2 again or um, Kingdom Hearts 2 FM. It feels like the old game. They brought like 13 new boss fights that are really well developed and you have to really memorize and plan your fights well. It's just so rewarding. They brought a game back from the dead. It should have been completed when it came out, but my God, am I reliving some wonderful moments. So I'm playing Kingdom Hearts 2, 3 right now. And my God, I am you know, am I so happy with it? Awesome. I am. Uh, I've been playing a game a lot recently. <laughs> um, I just broke to a hundred, uh, two hundred twenty hours on it uh, a couple of days ago, actually. Um, Slay the Spire. I've talked about this before. I've talked about Slay the Spire quite a bit. Um, but a big update for it came out. They released a new character, the Watcher. Um, they did amazing, huge balance changes that I think make the game better and more fun. And it's just a good game. So if you haven't played it already, I definitely recommend playing it now that the update's out. Um, the Watcher is a very interesting character. Um, so yeah, if, if you haven't played Slay the Spire yet, play it now. And if you do already play Slay the Spire, I'm willing to bet you've already played the new update because it's pretty great. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the last thing we have for today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.